In the summer of 1984, the Olympic torch passed through downtown Dallas. Crowds of people lined the streets. They waved flags. They were dressed in red, blue, and white. They shouted, USA! USA! I don't remember who carried the torch through our city that evening, but what I do remember is that my dad crossed over the barricade and jogged alongside the torchbearer for a few yards before turning and coming back to our family. It was glorious. <laughs> and I think there might be a photo somewhere in the family archives to back up that story. A few weeks later, I was all packed and ready to go on a trip. A friend of mine had invited me to spend three weeks with him in Elmira, Arkansas. You can't get there from here. After all the hugs and kisses were exchanged, we were ready to hit the road. But at the last minute, my mother said, wait a second, I forgot to give you something. And she ran back into the house, came out to the car, and she handed me a Bible. And she said, Moke, do me a favor while you're away. Read the book of Daniel. I think you'll like the stories. I was a little embarrassed, but I said, okay. And I climbed into the back seat. My friend saw the Bible. He shook his head, and he laughed in disbelief. A few weeks ago, we met Daniel, the prophet. And remember, when we met Daniel, he was just a young man, much like my friend and I. Only Daniel had been taken away from his family and transported to a different country, a faraway country called Babylon. He robbed of his family and his homeland. And it was there that he was raised up in the king's household educated in the language and the literature of the Babylonians, eventually graduating from Babylon University, and he landed a job with the king as an advisor. And he served as an advisor throughout his career, serving many different kings, giving wise counsel to one king after another. But today, when we see Daniel, we meet a different Daniel, a Daniel that is no longer a young man. We meet a Daniel that is an old man. He spent more than 70 years of his life in Babylon. He has seen massive geopolitical upheavals in the course of his life. Nebuchadnezzar, the man who brought him to Babylon, has died. Babylon has fallen. Persia has risen. The Persians now rule the world, including Daniel and the exiles. The prophet Isaiah had foretold that Cyrus, the Persian king, would be raised up by the Lord to be a shepherd who would perform God's purpose and God's pleasure. King Cyrus was called God's anointed, a type of Christ who was sent as a savior to rescue God's people from exile. As it is written in the prophets, the Lord took Cyrus by the hand and led him to subdue nations and strip down kings, to open gates and to release captives. In Cyrus's first year as king, the Lord stirred his heart to send the exiles back to their homeland to rebuild their lives and to rebuild God's temple. 
But they did not go home empty-handed because Cyrus sent them away with all of the treasures of the old temple which the Babylonians had stolen 70 years earlier. And he sent them with a promise that he would personally fund the entire rebuilding project out of the wealth of Persia. Two years later, Daniel sees a vision that rocks his world and shakes him to the core. The apocalyptic visions that Daniel receives in his life illustrate to him again and again that he lives in a dog-eat-dog world. The Babylonians rose up and took down Israel. The Persians rose up and took down the Babylonians. The Greeks rose up and took down the Persians. The Romans rose up and took down the Greeks. The question is, who will rise up and take down the Romans? Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall as the sovereign hand of God unfolds the story of the world. This is what we call in our tradition a biblical theology of history. The vision troubles Daniel because it shows him the future of his people. And the future is less bright and it's more bleak than he had hoped. His people have already lost power, and now he knows through these visions that they are never, ever going to regain power in this world again. For all intents and purposes, his people are going to be dead and buried politically for the next several hundred years. The Jews will once again become the Hebrews, the Habiru, the dusty ones. They will, in fact, return to dust. In Daniel's visions, all the kingdoms of the world appear as hideous beasts and ferocious monsters. They destroy, they devour, they desecrate everything in their path in order to dominate the world. These monstrous beasts come and wreak havoc on the world. Massive geopolitical upheavals will continue to unfold according to the mystery of God's providence and purpose. There is no power among men, angels, or demons that can stay God's hand or change God's mind. The vision shows Daniel in technicolor that life seems unfixed, that life feels unstable and unpredictable, especially from the point of view of an old man in exile. But the vision also shows Daniel that when all hope seems lost, when the world seems darkest, when death seems to eclipse life, God will send his angels. God will send a sign. God will send his angels and everything will be all right. According to the vision, a time will come when the archangel Michael, the great prince and the guardian angel of God's people will come and lead his angels in war against the dragon and his fallen angels. They will put up resistance, but to no avail. They will suffer defeat and be deposed. Michael and his angels will gain the victory and there will no longer be any place for the dragon or his angels in heaven. In the end, in the end, darkness will be conquered by light, death will be conquered by life, and the dragon will be conquered by the lamb. The lamb. The lamb who was born of the Virgin Mary, who was clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of stars on her head, 
She is the queen mother whose son, our Savior, will shepherd the nations as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Mary's lamb will take dominion over the hideous monsters and ferocious beasts of the kingdoms of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the prince of this world, the god of this age, will be destroyed by the Son of Man. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world will crush the serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. And that great dragon will fall like lightning from heaven. He will flash through the sky in a moment and then fade into nothingness forever. And then a loud voice in heaven shall be heard shouting the gospel The salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Now, if you feel like that's an awful lot of imagery to take in in just a few minutes, imagine how Daniel, the old man in exile, must have felt when he saw one vision after another. He saw and understood the apocalyptic visions, and it drove him not to madness, but it drove him to fast and to pray and to seek the face of God. So for three weeks, for 21 days, Daniel does not eat or drink or bathe. Why? Because the needs of his soul are greater than the needs of his body. His splendor was changed to ruin. He was wretched. And he mourned and he wept and his laughter was turned to grieving and his joy to gloom. He humbled himself before the Lord. And on the 21st day, he goes down to the river to pray. He bows his head and he closes his eyes in prayer. He's weary in body and soul, worn out physically and spiritually, wondering about the mystery of God's purpose, worried about the future of his people, But when he opens his eyes, he sees a radiant man and he hears a refreshing voice. And at the sight and sound of that resplendent man, Daniel finds rest for his soul. And he falls into a deep sleep. Daniel did not just get his prayers answered. Daniel got to see the answer to his prayers. He saw the answer to his prayers when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Son of God. You see, Jesus comes near to stir Daniel awake with his hand. He touches him. He collapses the distance between them. He condescends to comfort his servant and his friend. Jesus comes to strengthen him with his love. You're not forsaken, Daniel. You're not alone, Daniel. You're not forgotten, Daniel. You're greatly loved, truly and deeply loved, Daniel. I'm here. Everything's going to be all right. And Jesus comes to stand him upright. He raises him from darkness to light, from dust to life, from dread to love. And he says to him, fear not, Daniel. Fear not, Daniel, I have come because of your prayers. Because of your prayers. You called and I answered and I'm right here. You're not alone. I know you by name. Everything is going to be all right. You see, Daniel humbled himself before the Lord and he was exalted. 
He laid himself low in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord lifted him up. And in the end, Daniel saw the vision of all visions, the vision that goes above and beyond all visions. He saw the blessed sight of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He saw the beatific vision. He saw what God has promised to give to all who seek him. The vision is not just for him, it is for you as well. And so I want to encourage you with all your heart to fast in hope and to pray without ceasing for these are ways to express your heart's desire to see the face of God and to experience all that God has for you in the beatific vision. But I also want to warn you that prayer is no easy task. It takes discipline and devotion. If you're like me, you will find that it is hard to pray, especially with perseverance. It's hard to pray with patience. I want God to answer my prayers immediately, if not instantly. But Jesus says that we should be patient. That we should always pray and never lose heart. Why? Because contrary to what we imagine, God answers our prayers quickly. He's not slow in keeping his promise. He's not slow in answering our prayers. He answers them speedily as soon as they reach him. For he knows what we need long before we ask. Daniel waited 21 days to receive God's answer. 21 days seems like a long time, especially if you are the one who is wrestling with God and waiting for answers. 21 days is about how long I spent in Elmira, Arkansas. I was 13, going on 14. And that meant flirting with girls and fighting boys, feeling my oats, fumbling my virtues, falling into sin, and finding my faith. Finding the faith. Because at some point in the midst of those 21 days, I actually did what my mother asked me to do. I read the book of Daniel. I even tried to eat like Daniel. And I got sick. And I tried to pray like Daniel. And I got my first taste of spiritual warfare. It was the first time in my life that I can recall feeling the struggle between flesh and spirit, the battle between grace and pride, the war between lust and love existentially in my own body and soul. There were moments when I felt like angels were urging me to do one thing, but demons were encouraging me to do another And although I lost far more battles than I won that summer, through that experience, I learned something. God was shaping my life, and he was doing more than just saving me from my sins. He was saving me from myself. And all that happened because my mother was inspired enough, intrepid enough, to put God's word in my hand and her prayers and wishes in my heart. 
as I went away from home for just a little while. In those days when I read the story in Daniel chapter 10, I remembered what my mother had told me. How this was one of her favorite stories in the Bible. Why? Because it shows us that if we keep on praying, if we keep on praying and never give up, God will answer our prayers. I want you to know that whatever your age and stage of life, whether it's summer, spring, fall, or winter for you, whatever season you're in, I want you to know that you are not alone in your struggles. You're not alone in your life situation. You might feel ruined and wretched from time to time, but you need to know that real help is just a prayer away. Because not only does the Spirit of Christ dwell in you and pray for you, but you dwell in the shelter of the Most High. You abide in the shadow of the Almighty because God delivers you from evil. And not only that, the Lord makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. And they are all spiritual ministers sent out to serve for the sake of those like you, who are to inherit eternal salvation. In other words, the Lord gives his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands, and as a result, you shall tread upon the serpent, and you shall trample the dragon under your feet. And so my prayer for you as we reflect on this story today and in the days to come, my prayer is that those who sleep in the dust will awake to everlasting life. That those who are wise will shine like stars in the universe. That those who are righteous will turn sinners to the Savior as you hold out the word of life until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then together, With angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we will laud and magnify God's glorious name, evermore praising him and singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. Glory be to you, O Lord Most High. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.